0: Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus' disciples have been with him for three years. He's been with them through all manner of storms and trials. And they were there with him when he heard that his dear friend Lazarus had died. And he was there to heal Peter's mother-in-law when she fell ill. He was always there to answer questions, to straighten them out, to strengthen them for the tasks at hand. But now things would be different. Now the disciples have heard Jesus' departing discourse. They watch their Lord depart from them And he's hidden from their sight. But as they crane their necks to peer into the sky, suddenly there are with them two angels. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Well, isn't it obvious? That's where Jesus went. We saw him go up in the sky somewhere. And we expect him to come right back down at any moment. Now, if the disciples are peering into the sky looking for Jesus, surely they are sad when he doesn't reappear. But yet, as we heard at the end of St. Luke's Gospel, they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Right after Jesus left, the disciples worshipped him And they were filled with joy. Now, how did the disciples worship an absent Jesus? And why would his departure fill them with joy? Now, let's notice what happens when Jesus departs. The text says a cloud took him out of their sight. Now, far from an insignificant literary detail, this cloud is a key part of the text. Clouds are significant throughout the scriptures, and they are often a sign of God's presence. When the people of Israel were brought out of slavery to Egypt, they were led by a pillar of cloud by day. When Moses went up on Mount Sinai for forty days and forty nights to receive the law of God, he entered the cloud of God's presence. When Solomon dedicated the first temple to the Lord, the cloud of God's presence entered the temple and remained there. When Peter, James, and John witnessed the transfiguration of our Lord, they are surrounded by a bright cloud from which the voice of the Father speaks. And just as the angel promised that the disciples would see Jesus return in the way that they saw him go, Jesus describes his own return as one where he will come riding on the clouds. So when Jesus ascended, he didn't really go away. A cloud hid him from their sight, but it didn't take him away. Jesus didn't leave us at his ascension, but the mode of his presence changed. Jesus, true God and true man, united in one person, can do things with his human body that you and I can't. First, we should notice that as Jesus ascends into heaven to rule the universe, he does so as a man. Ever since his incarnation, he remains a man, bearing the DNA of his mother and even After his crucifixion, those scars Our God, ruler of the universe, victor over sin and death and hell. The judge of all is a man. And he has prepared a home for us with him. Now, when Jesus rose from the dead, he stopped denying himself as a man. Before this, there were things he did not know. He was able to be tempted to suffer and to die. Things that God cannot do. But now things are different. We saw this right after our Lord's resurrection, when he wasn't immediately recognized by his closest disciples and how he would suddenly appear in a locked room. And so now the man Jesus This all-knowing, all-powerful Jesus is also present everywhere. Now he uses his divinity to be present at all times and places. It's why when we pray Psalm 139 by King David, we can say that this psalm is not just about God, but about Jesus. Where shall I go from your spirit Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. And we confess in the creed that Jesus has gone to sit at the right hand of the Father. But rather than a physical place, this is the seat of all power and authority. Jesus is the King who rules the universe and rules all things by his word. Speaking of Jesus' word, hear what he said as he departed. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We know that Jesus was pointing his disciples to the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost in just 10 days. We'll look more at that aspect of Jesus' promise then. And Jesus promises to send these disciples to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. That much is pretty clear. But what about Jesus' promise that these disciples will be His witnesses. Now, the job of a witness, especially an eyewitness, is to testify to what he has seen and heard. In this case, these disciples were to tell everyone about what they had seen Jesus say and do. It's why when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, these men start preaching. Every one of the 11 disciples does this even the Apostle Paul. They all testify to what they have witnessed, all that they have seen and heard. It's why we have the New Testament. The eyewitnesses of Jesus' life have written down their accounts for us to take up and read. We know the word of God that was preached by the apostles and prophets because it's been written down for us. We have certainty about Jesus' presence among us because we have his word. Now, those witnesses of our Lord have long since died. But what about you? Are you not a witness of Jesus? Now, you might ask, did you hear the angels announce his birth or hear the father speak at Jesus' baptism? Did you join him at his last supper or watch him get arrested? Were you there when they crucified your Lord? Were you among those to touch his resurrected skin? Did you touch the nail marks or put your hand into his side? Now, I think it's pretty safe to say that none of us directly witnessed any of these things. You can't be a witness to something that you didn't witness. And in this way, you are free from being a witness to Jesus. But does this mean that you aren't witnesses? Remember what a witness is. A witness tells what he has seen. A witness gives an account of what has happened, of what he has heard and tasted. Now, I'm sure many of you have had the experience of eating at an exceptionally good restaurant. And having witnessed the ambiance, having tasted the excellent food, you want to tell others about it. Or when you've seen a spectacular sunset or a vibrant rainbow, you simply tell others. That's what Jesus would have us do. Though we aren't witnesses like those disciples who watched Jesus ascend into heaven, we are still all witnesses. For we have heard our Lord's word. Each one of us has gotten wet with our Lord's own baptismal promise. We have been nourished by his body and blood given to us in his sacrament. That's why Jesus is ascended into heaven. He took away his visible presence among us so that we would be able to witness his presence among us in a new way. So that we would behold him by faith and not by sight. So that we wouldn't think he was only bound to one people and one time and one place. But that we would witness him in all the places, in all the times that he's promised to be. In his word. In holy baptism, in the absolution, in the mouths and lives of his people, and in his holy supper. And at the last day, you will witness what Jesus does when he comes riding on the clouds to rescue you. As he raises you from your grave and transforms your body to be like his glorious body. And you will forever dwell with him. And behold him for all eternity. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The peace of God. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.